It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. It is Monday. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for my emails. We'll keep you apprised of everything that's going on. And so that's AmeriChicks.com forward slash Kim. And uh, we've got a big show planned for you today. We'll go through some headlines. In studio with me is my friend Roger Bianco. He is a thought leader. It's great to have you here, Roger. Thanks for having me, Kim. Appreciate it. We're going to talk about something in this third and fourth segment, the Overton window, which I think that you're the first person that I kind of learned that from. Okay. And uh, it's it's a really interesting concept. So stay tuned because we'll be talking about that in the third and fourth segment. All right. Excellent. Sounds okay. Good. And we'll jump into some headlines here in just a minute, but uh, we are less than two weeks away for our Stand for Colorado rally. Go to StandForColorado.com and you can check that out. Uh, This will be on May 10th. And uh, at this point, there's four that we're going to be having here in Colorado. Uh, But if you're in the front range, join me on the west steps of the Capitol uh, from 4 to 530 on May 10th. And uh, we are going to Stand for Colorado. People coming together because we care. You know, typically, Roger... Hardworking, everyday folks don't have time to get down and do a rally. So this is going to be unique in this. Uh, but we need to take a stand because there's a lot going on. We have one more, what, five more days of this legislative session. God, thank God. Yeah. I tell you. That's ya. the greatest part about the legislative session is that, is it's, that gonna it's almost finally, done. It's yeah. finally going to end. <laughs> but uh, we chose May 10th because Governor Polis will be uh, giving his State of the State address at a luncheon earlier that day. And we thought, what a good optic for everyday people to come and say, hold the phone here. This is not okay. So, uh, so we'll be having one here in, in Denver. There's one uh, in Gunnison, one in Grand Junction, and they're organizing one in Teller County. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's going to be a good day. Sounds like it's going to be great. 4 to 5.30 is a fabulous time for people who have working lives and families and got to get kids and things happening. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, Smart time to do it. Well, that's, and we chose that because uh, typically, you know, people are busy on the weekends with all the stuff their kids are doing. Friday afternoon, um, you know, hopefully, I, and I've heard a little bit of whining, a little bit of, oh, the traffic, <laughs> the traffic oh, yeah. parking. And, you know, Roger, one of the other things that I do is uh, this World War II project. Mm-hmm. And when I think about these guys and what they did to go and stand against tyranny and evil, yeah. you can get down to a little rally from 4 to 5.30 on Friday afternoon, May 10th, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. I'm told Denver's a good traffic city. I don't necessarily buy it, but I'm told that. So, uh, yeah, you bet. They can they can put a little bit of effort out and get there. That's good. That's for sure. And uh, we'll have uh, petitions uh, for people that want to sign the national popular vote. Yep. And Rose Puglisi, who's one of the, um, uh, the, she and the mayor of Monument, Don Wilson, they, they really came up with this idea regarding pushing back on this runaround the, on the U.S. Constitution to try to get rid of uh, the, the Electoral College. And uh, so she's going to be heading the one up out in Grand Junction. So we're going to start to announce speakers. But I will announce that Don Wilson will be one of our speakers. Very good. 
Very good. So we have about 20 speakers. So it's going to be... 20 speakers, yeah. One after another. It's going to be fire. It's going to be three minutes for each of them. (laughs) Perfect. So that'll be great. And uh, if you are interested in finding out about uh, petition signing events, James Takata... Takata has been working hard on that. Go to coloradovote.org, coloradovote.org, and you can find the information there. So, Roger, one of the first things I like to do is to start off with a a quote. And, of course, it's basketball season and the Nuggets are moving on. Yeah. Uh Yeah, How about that? So Shaquille O'Neal, you know, great basketball player and commentator, he says, excellence is a habit. You are what you repeatedly do. Again, excellence is a habit. You are what you repeatedly do. Yeah. And then uh, Steve, producer Steve, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you to Zach, Patty, and Keith for keeping this train on the track. Are you ready for the funnies this morning? I need some funnies. <clears throat> <laughs> you're having a Monday. I know you're having a Monday. <laughs> like I said, I, came, I was telling uh, Roger earlier, I came into a totally dead board, uh, dead air for probably at least an hour and a half. And it took me a little while to figure out what's going on here. But, again, only on a Monday. Technology, technology is our friend, Steve. So yeah. <clears throat> go ahead. Make our day. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, and just, to, just a note on that. That's why I'm not real jazzed about driverless cars, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and it's good that you went that way. <laughs> okay, Steve. Kim. What's the difference between a ball hog and time? I don't know. Time passes. <laughs> okay. okay. How do basketball players stay cool during a game? They stand near the fans. Oh. oh. <laughs> and what do you call a basketball player that misses dunks? Alley whoops. <laughs> oh, that is so mean. Good, good way to wake folks up on a Monday morning, <laughs> That's right for there. Sure. <laughs> okay, Roger, we're going to jump into some headlines here. We'll, we'll go to some of the state stuff first. Okay. And, and uh, Steve, you also mentioned this. Uh, Governor Polis went out to uh, Fort Morgan uh, this um, over the weekend, I think it was, or on Friday. And, man, did he get an earful. Uh, the Fort Morgan uh, residents, they're opposed to several pieces of legislation passed this year, including the red flag law. Now it was a bill. Now it's a law allowing seizure of guns from owners deemed to post a danger and a measure revamping oil and gas. So I apparently they weren't very happy. Summit held up um, recall polis signs during the event, and polis tried to talk about his ag agricultural uh, agricultural creds by pointing out that he owns a farm in Well County where he's grown alfalfa. It didn't win any applause from the audience, which was mainly reserved for those who asked tough questions, not for the governor's answers. Polis did bring up free full-day kindergarten, one of his top priorities, but which some in the audience took issue with. It won't be free, shouted several, because it'll be paid for with tax money. And one resident said, Polis doesn't realize the impact of the things he's doing in Denver that uh, that it has on the rest of the state, or he's just choosing to ignore it. I don't think he came to show us that he cares about us, more to find out if we cared about him. So quite an earful, Producer Steve. That's the quote I was looking for, the one that you just read, that... You know, I he he comes out here and he doesn't understand that the, all the things he's doing in his little corridor here, uh, really the, the rest of the state has no no stomach for. Well, and uh, you know he clearly has an agenda, Roger. I think that uh, we're in a really unique time, and that is the veil is off on uh, really the agenda of uh, of the radical progressive regressive left, if you will. Uh, and in fact, one of the things, you know, we've talked a lot about 
this forced vaccination bill. And I've thought a lot about it. I vaccinated my kids and uh, vaccinating children against childhood diseases is a good idea to me. You know, Um, you know, vaccines have been tested and, and but yet parental choice, you know, this conversation with the doctor uh, about your child and just about what you know, what this is exactly. But we are now what you've seen then is that the um, the radicals take something that's good. And they can make it very bad. So now we're looking at this forced vaccination bill where instead of 11 uh, dosages, they're at 57. Some of these vaccinations haven't even been tested. And then uh, there will be an unelected board that will determine and force parents basically to, to, to do this. And so uh, what I'm seeing to bring this back is many of these moms, in fact, have been Democrat their whole life. And in fact, I was talking to one of the representatives yesterday. He said a woman came up to him and said, I have been a Democrat my whole life because I thought that they were the ones that cared about us. But I was there and I watched, you know, they were on their phones. I've been down to testify. They're on their phones. They ignore, they get up and walk. And and you, you Republicans were the ones that were listening and had heartfelt conversations about this, Roger. Well, that's what a legislator, legislature is supposed to do is listen to the people that, are, have sent them there and elected them. The sovereign power rests with the individuals and the people and not with the people who sit on those dioceses and mm-hmm. do their committee hearings. It was a remarkable, this whole thing's a, a pretty remarkable experience. And it struck me that um, there's almost a, especially on social media, kind of a shaming campaign going on. You know, that uh, if, if you are cautious about, even just cautious about giving your child a vaccination, then, you know, it, 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 there's all sorts of shame placed on you. Pictures of kids that have diseases. And these are really unfortunate, terrible situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but none of those things do anything to address the concerns of the people who are worried about giving their child vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And it seems like what we're, what we're, what we're doing here is we're going to trade off one we're going to trade off one bad image on Facebook of a child that has a disease that could otherwise be prevented with another bad image of a mother. I mean, this will happen if this, as this happens. Uh, a mother crying because her child's getting taken into a clinic to get a vaccination that the mother's worried about. None of that addresses the concern of, the, of what the mother's worried about, which is, hey, will this hurt my child? Right. That's a completely normal, very reasonable, legitimate concern and issue to have. Um, so it, it, it's typical to the left, the, the shaming campaigns. And as you said, Kim, the, the veil being lifted, um, and it's very typical of the, the tendency toward government force that, that leftism. And I don't, I never say liberal and I never say progressive. I say illiberal and I say regressive okay. because, uh, the left is neither of those things, liberal or progressive. So force law with, with consequences, if you don't do as we say, right. um, and so it's a, it's the typical stuff that you see out of them. And. You know, elections have consequences, and we're going to have to face these things unless uh, the tide turns. Well, and the other thing about it is, is if, in fact, so there's uh, out on the Internet now, there's these stories of regarding a measles outbreak. Yeah. But, Roger, think about it. These are the people uh, over here, the leftists. I, I like, I'm trying to not say right versus left because we want to dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Right. So I'm calling them radical activists. How's gotcha. that? Good. And radical activists, first of all, they don't typically give a flying rip about children. They, they hide behind children, but they are the ones that are pro-abortion. Okay, and, yeah. and uh, so it's like, wait a minute, I don't get that. But the other thing is, is they're also sanctuary city, you know, open border. Why aren't they down there with their needles vaccinating every person that's coming across the border illegally? Good point. That's a good point. You know what? 
yeah, go full go full circle on that thought there and, and get down there and help those people too. Because it, it always seems to me to be like optics. I was looking at these pictures of Polis out in Morgan, Fort Morgan, and it, this is just optics, it seems. He wants to show how he's reaching a hand out to the people in the small communities and um, seems tremendously disingenuous and insincere um, because you, you do think about the agenda. Um, yeah, interesting times. <laughs> very to interesting. Say the least. Very interesting times. We are going to go to break here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, Steve, the Nuggets win in Game Seven against the Spurs. They're advancing on to the next round by hosting Portland tonight. You know, I, I, I'm uh, <clears throat> in stand in amazement at the crew at the Pepsi Center for having to turn that thing back and forth. To these different <laughs> venues so quickly. So ice will be the next thing because the Avalanche uh, tied the series with the San Jose Sharks 1-1. The next game is Tuesday night. And then the Rockies are in Milwaukee through Thursday. And then they'll be in town Friday for a homestand with the Diamondbacks. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Uh, Hooters is the place to watch all the games. Wednesdays are wing days. All the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine, And those new smoked wings are delectable and only half the calories. And, you, and Hooters wings can fly. You can have them delivered right to your front doorstep. And uh, when the girls come over on Wednesday nights, I order the Hooters wings uh, and have them delivered. And the girls love them. So order your Hooters wings to go. Have them delivered right to your front door. Or blast. It's going to be a blast to watch the game at Hooters. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the Americhicks. And we're going to go to break. When we, uh, we'll, when we come back, I have Roger Bianco. He's a thought leader. He's in studio with me. We'll go through some more headlines. Segments three and four, we'll talk about the Overton window. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. The mortgage process can be stressful, and with a potential increase in interest rates, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-517-7173. With over 30 years of combined experience, Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook of Home Mortgage Alliance have the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. They will remain available seven days a week, and they will always respond quickly to your calls because they pride themselves on their excellent customer service. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-517-7173. 303-517-7173. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Oh, that Charlie. I love his bumper music. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. And go to stand for Colorado. 
Facebook.com and sign up. We'll keep you apprised of this really fabulous rally that we're going to have on May 10th. So uh, be there or be square. Uh, Roger Bianco is in studio with me. He's a good friend. He's a thought leader. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Overton window in seg- uh, segments three and four. But, Roger, just a few more headlines here. Uh, get this. This is from the Colorado Independent. Colorado could restore voting rights to 9,000 felons this year. Yeah. Can you believe? You know, I think the far what am I, uh, radical activist, whatever yeah. we're going to call it. You know what? Leftist. I think they're con- I think they're concerned uh, that in a fair and square election. You know, that they're going to lose. So that's why we're seeing 16-year-olds. I was driving by a high school the other day, and I'm seeing the kids, you know, and I love kids. But, you know, I'm seeing, like, 16-year-old guys, and they're, you know, running across. I'm like, wait a minute. They're going to vote the same as somebody that's out there in building a business, you know, paying taxes. It's like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, the the, the uninformed or the narrow-minded. I think maybe that's my... Might be how I would think about the the folks who are uh, maybe incarcerated, although I don't know. All those stories are very drastically different. Um, but it's a concern. There has to be a repercussion for uh, breaking the law and in such going a major way. That, yeah, yeah. Going back to felons. Um, so, I, and again, it gets down to optics and it gets down to the numbers. You know, the numbers being if we, it, at least that's what it seems. It, the, the person with the most votes wins, right? They win elections and they they get elected and they can do whatever they want to do. I don't think that, that it doesn't seem like the left thinks through the consequences of the action. They just think through, okay, if we, if we legalize people, if we um, allow quote unquote people to behave certain ways, or we give the vote to people like felons, they'll vote for us. We'll win elections. We'll make it more difficult for the other side. And then we'll have an opportunity to kind of advance our agenda. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like they're thinking about any of the thought that went in you know, behind the creation of uh, the law or the creation of the mm-hmm. prohibition against voting or whatever the case might be for people who are incarcerated. I don't know. It's a very interesting dynamic. Um, you see it with the Electoral College. Right. They're, they're legislating this from a position of massive ignorance or willingful ignorance. Either way, it's difficult to or it's a, a, a bad thing. So anyway, it, it's a uh, it just seems well, like and, it's shallow electoral politics. Well, and, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the Electoral College. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't understand it is in the Constitution. The U- it's in the U.S. Constitution. So if, in fact, I, uh, we were going to change the U.S. Constitution, it has to be done via amendment. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is this end run around and um, uh, a democracy is actually the, the reason that the um, – founders put in the electoral college was to make sure that the big populous states didn't run over the little states. And, uh, and I think that people don't understand that. And there can be the tyranny of the majority. If 51% vote to take everything from the other 49%, I mean, that is a democracy, but we were talking about this yesterday, property rights. Yeah. That was something that was so important, uh, to the founding of this country that people would have property and that they could own property and have the property of who they are. Right. Right. And so that is why they put in place the electoral college was to make sure that the smaller states also had a voice in that. Producer Steve, did you have a thought? Uh, nothing serious. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was going to say, did you know that AOC wanted the electoral college in her uh, brackets for March Madness? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Seriously. It took and, me a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to grab that one. Seriously, Roger already touched on it, is that we see all these different tricks being, or uh, maneuvering, let's say, not tricks, maneuvering being put in place, like 
felons and whatnot. To uh, vote, yeah. Yeah, to vote, and the 16-year-olds, and the the left standing, clearly standing in the way of any type of photo ID to vote. I mean, it, we, we say we want to reach out and get people thinking. It's like, if you just dwell on this for any amount of time at all, you can see clearly what's being done. Well, and... Uh... In the battle of ideas, though, that's what we do every day, yeah. is we have to engage in the battle of ideas. Now, with with our kids, um, you know, and talking about the 16-year-olds to vote, I mean, there's a lot of indoctrination that's going on in public schools. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that kids, ideally, school education was to kick the tires on these different ideas. But we're seeing that that's not the case in many of these public schools, Roger. Yeah, and I mean, there's uh, great people from Hillsdale College who talk about the uh, and a, a gentleman in our community, uh, Professor Moore, who is helping out with the St. Classical Academies and some of these other places that I feel have a great grip on really what education is supposed to do, which is to pursue truth and beauty. And um, that's really it. It, It's not designed. I sat next to a a gentleman who's um, with a company that I work with who was a former ambassador to Germany. And he talked about education. And in Germany, he said there's this this, uh, great system where everyone is – uh, taught to go to work for a company and, and when they when they find their kind of vocation and go mm-hmm. to work for a company, when they work in this company for a long time, he said, it's just wonderful because they are uh, proud of the company that they work for and they're proud. And I thought to myself, is that the role of education? Is that what we want? I, I, I want my my daughters and my son to be able to think, to be able to process, to be productive, to contribute to the advancement of human beauty. And I don't want them just to kind of wave their company's flag. That should not be the the intent or the purpose of education broadly um, because then you get things like what we're seeing now with mm-hmm. people just kind of not thinking necessarily critically mm-hmm. well and and uh, that was one of the things when i was on city council you'd hear politicians and bureaucrats uh, opine that um, we need to be educating the workforce and yeah. i'm like wait a minute yeah. just what you said you know we need to be a, we need to make sure that these kids have the tools run a household, to be able to, you know, run their books, to, uh, I mean, those are just some basic things that yeah. I graduated with from high school. Yeah. And uh, now we call these adulting, and you know, as, uh, <laughs> as uh, right, right. kids start to get these uh, skills, but they need to have those skills that they can take care of themselves. But one of the most important things is to be able to, to think critically. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to think critically, be able to understand, to your point, the basics of life, which was very important. But I, I remember I was on a financial literacy um, task force for my local school board. And boy, oh, boy, that was an eye-opening experience there for a little while because we interviewed some students, some recent alum uh, who told us that they had friends that went through the school district who didn't know what a mortgage was or didn't know what rent was. right? But what they do know is that they go down, my son will go down to... Uh, uh, where is it? Monument, Colorado, that area. Mm-hmm. And they'll do the, they call it outdoor education. Mm-hmm. And if you can't see me, but I'm doing the yeah, rabbit yeah. quotes. Um, and, and so my son will understand things about the environment or attempt to, they'll t- attempt to get him to understand things about how humans impact the environment. Cause that seems to be everywhere they land mm-hmm. in conversations in schools, but they will not understand what mortgages or what rent is. Mm-hmm. And they will not understand that they'll be told what to think instead of, instead of given the freedom to think, I guess mm-hmm. is the idea. Um, and it, it's, I constantly feel this battle, Kim, and you've heard me talk about this before yep. this. I feel like I have got to try to balance what my kids come home with. Um, 
right down to the history of the Great Depression and on and on. I mean, I could we could spend the whole hour just talking about that. Well, and I, I'm the same way. I remember my kids <clears throat> coming home from school, and I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I that and so I I actually kind of went through an angry period. Yeah. <clears throat> as I was trying to figure out. I think, this I, think I might be there right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I realized that. And so we had robust discussions. But that's one of the things that I really encourage parents is to be involved, you know, to know what's going on and have conversations with your kids. And it doesn't stop when they go to college. In fact, that's where you really need to double down. So um, we're going to go to break here in just a minute. I think perhaps what we'll do, there's uh, another headline that I wanted to chat about, but it actually segues into the uh, Overton window. And so we'll we'll get to that here probably in, in segment three. But just a couple of other headlines. Denver School... Uh, school board ratifies a deal that will give teachers an average 11.7% pay hike. And then uh, Governor Hickenlooper is proposing a staggered federal wage hikes and supports laws easier to break up corporations. You know, apparently, you know, he liked to, to walk around and say he's Mr. Business, but it sure doesn't look like it to me. No, Mr. Interference more so. Yeah. Thank you. Can I give, give the former gov a pat on the back? You know, how long has he been in politics now? And the acronym GDP. Oh, that's right. Seemed to get past him. (laughs) Uh, Let me find that. Uh, Patty had that on here. Where is that? Okay. This uh, John Hickenlooper, Governor Hickenlooper, forgot what GDP stands for. He said it was the gross demographic product (laughs) instead of the GDP is the gross demographic. Domestic product. Here, domestic I, now, product. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I'm having trouble. I normally know what that is. Can I can't wait to hear what Jason McBride has to say yeah, about this one. Yeah, we have Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management on the line with us. Hey, Jason, do you know what GDP stands for? You know, I don't, but now that the teachers are getting an 11% raise, I'm assuming we'll all be 11% smarter. <laughs> it's all performance-based, right? No, no, probably not. Probably not. So, But Jason McBride, uh, the market is way up at all-time highs, and I bet a lot more people are thinking about retiring. Is that a good idea? Well, Kim, I'd say that depends on how big a portion of their needed retirement income is going to be coming from market-related investments. Uh, The smaller portion needed from the market, uh, the better your chances of success might be. But what if a large portion will come from market investments? Doesn't the market being high make it an ideal time to pull the trigger and retire? You know, Kim, it might actually be the worst time to retire when the market's way up high, and I know that sounds backwards, but let's look at some numbers that might cause my thinking to make some sense. Uh, It's long been a general rule of thumb that if you retire around age 65, you can take 4% of your nest egg the first year. So if you were lucky enough to have a million bucks when you retire, you'd take 40000 the first year and then plan to adjust up a little bit for inflation each year. Okay, that sounds reasonable, even modest. Yeah, and all kinds of smart people with fancy computer systems and spreadsheets would agree with that. And they'd say if you follow this rule... You have about an 85 to 90 percent chance to not run out of money. But here's the rub. If right after you retire, the market takes a big drop, 
Well, then you could run into some real problems and just ask anybody who looked at their big 401k balance and told their boss to take this job and shove it right before the internet blew up in 2000 or right before the 2008 meltdown. So Jason, you called this sequence of return risk, correct? That's right. So for example, let's say you have that million on the day you retire. But over the next two years, the market really gets walloped, though, and let's say it gets cut in half. Well, I bet your bills didn't get cut in half, so you still had to withdraw that 40000 a year for the next two years. And with the 80000 you withdrew, plus the market really getting hammered, your million is now between maybe four hundred and twenty and four hundred forty thousand. So Kim, hopefully the market has a huge bounce back really quick and bails you out because that much isn't gonna last long when you're withdrawing over forty grand a year. You know, Jason, that is very sobering. Uh, I bet a lot of folks haven't thought about that that way. Well, and I think sometimes reality is even more sobering, Kim, because even if the market does have that big, huge bounce, we know a lot of people won't benefit from it. When they see their retirement going up in smoke, they might very well panic and sell probably right near the bottom and be afraid to get back in. So they're not going to get the big bounce. They're going to drop to the bottom and then stay there. And I'm not trying to be mean or say people are dumb or anything like that, but we know fear can cause some pretty poor decisions. And it's a far more powerful uh, fear that kicks in when you're already retired and actually depending on the money to pay your bills. So, Jason, I think you're saying take a step back before making a rash decision just because your 401k might be bloated right now. Uh, dial back the test <laughs> testosterone, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, a little bit. Uh, and here's three thoughts. So number one would be before you pull the trigger, just kind of rerun the numbers on your overall plan. If you have a million now and the numbers look good, you know what? Just change the million to 700000 for pretend. Rerun the numbers. And if you still look okay, then I'd say maybe you have enough cushion to weather a storm like that. Uh, number two, I'd say consider taking a chunk of that million and put it into some type of an investment that just guarantees income no matter what the market's doing, uh, enough to cover like your non-negotiable living expenses, and then you still might be okay. And last, not that I'm saying to wait and retire after the market takes a huge drop, but honestly and mathematically, it'd be a safer bet, Kim. If your numbers looked really good after a big drop, then just think what kind of cushion you'd have if the first couple years into retirement were big upward jumps as the market recovers, uh, just as long as you don't get uh, excited and go on a huge spending spree. You know, Jason, great advice. Uh, I really do appreciate your nuggets of uh of thoughts, of wisdom uh, every morning. So it's great to talk with you. And uh, you guys have some Social Security um, uh, workshops right now, right? Yeah, we have a couple of sets coming up in May, Kim, uh, to get the exact dates and in details and sign up. Just head over to chickspresidential.com or give us a call at the office, 303 303- Six nine four sixteen hundred. Okay, Jason. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. 
Bye-bye, Kim. You have a good show. Okay, thanks so much. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Overton window with my friend Roger Bianco. And so you'll wanna, you're going to learn something. This is really interesting. So we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And coming soon, Vino and Veritas in Northern Colorado. Know why you believe what you believe and be able to have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues. The Americhicks with Kim Munson would like to thank Bullets Both Ways in Centennial and Auto Fireguard in Castle Rock for sponsoring this fascinating study of the U.S. Constitution. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson as we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And I'm loving that bumper music. That is from the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, and it's the uh, uh, Fantastic Westerns. I just love That's those. That's cool. Yeah, isn't that yeah. cool? So thanks to Charlie for putting that together. So in studio with me is Roger Bianco. Uh, Roger, you are a thought leader, and uh, you were probably the first person that explained to me the Overton window. And so explain that to our listeners. Okay, so I learned about the Overton window in um, uh, about five years ago in depth. I'd heard about it before, but through leadership program of the Rockies, they get they dig in deep on what that is uh, when they're talking about kind of the whole function of leadership program of the Rockies, which is to change, to change the culture. Uh, and essentially what this is, is this is a, a, a tool created by a gentleman named Joe Overton, I believe, out of the Mackinac Institute in uh, Michigan. Okay. And what, he, what, what they're trying to do is to figure out, he was trying to figure out, okay, where, how can we measure the success or failure of think tanks? What, what do they do? What, what's the impact that they have on uh, the, the public debate and in the public sphere? And so they came up with this idea of the Overton window, which is instead of right or left, kind of similar to the theme that you talk here mm-hmm. about, which is a wonderful theme, instead of right or left, they, they change the edges of the continuum. And they make them more free or less free. And I've seen it presented horizontally. I've seen it presented vertically. Um, either way. And it's a way to gauge what is permissible in society and in culture to discuss. 
So what are the issues that are permissible to discuss? And you see this tug of war where um, play out in real life. So, for example, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez talks about, you know, how we should all be socialists to oversimplify. And President Trump goes on the uh, State of the Union and says, we will never be socialists. That they're, what, they're, what those two people are doing there is tugging. They're trying to tug the window mm-hmm. toward more free. Trump saying we're not going to be socialist and less free. Cortez saying we are. So uh, how you use your microphone and how that impacts the public sphere and what's permissible or not permissible to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it slides towards more free. It slides towards left free. Generally speaking, over the last 120, 130, maybe even 150 years, it slid more towards less free mm-hmm. uh, here in the United States. And so that's unfortunate, but government has grown, all those kinds of things. And the window itself can, can change. It can become larger or smaller. What is permissible to talk about along this more free or left free continuum uh, can be it can become bigger or smaller. So, example on college campuses, it's really small. The, the mm-hmm. window seems to be very small. You can't, in fact, visiting um, a university with our uh, junior in, in high school who's going to go to college at a genetics department. One of the, the the leader of the genetics department was telling us that it's just a travesty that that they can't talk about issues. The 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 should we or should we not do X in genetics? They can't even talk about it because certain students are quote unquote triggered. They're told by the administration to not talk about these things. And so that's an example of the shrinking of the Overton mm-hmm. window because now there are things outside of what is permissible to discuss. And so it, it, it's a, I, I credit the Mackinac Institute and, and, and Overton for trying to measure something that's difficult to measure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it gives us a framework to consider what's happening in the culture and what might the outcome be legislatively, regulatorily, electorally, um, in, in circles of education. This is a big deal, in my opinion, but that's you, essentially what it is. You know, and I, I should find this quote on Ronald Reagan, but I think we remember that regarding we, we shouldn't have, you know, in the Republican Party, uh, a circular firing squad, right. which uh, we, we do on a rather cons- – although it's, it's probably going to get real interesting regarding 20 people running for president on the Democrat side. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, Pre- uh, President Reagan said, if you're with me 80 percent of the time, then uh, you're my friend. But, Roger, what I think that I've seen is is that this Overton window has continued we, uh, to move to the left. We, we've given up 20 percent of freedom here. Then we've given 20% of freedom up here. Right. Then 20. So we now have what we have here in Colorado. And there has to be, I think, some non-negotiables regarding the Overton window. Uh, and one of those, and we were talking about the, I was talking with a friend of mine, the Second Amendment, you know, the Bill of Rights. Those have to, you know, freedom of speech. Those have to be non-negotiables. And as you mentioned on, on uh, college campuses, there's really not freedom of speech these days. Absolutely not. It, it, it's... If if you start to go down the road of something that might that someone else might perceive as being uh, incorrect or whatever the label you want to put on it, it, it's then comes the shaming system. I call it the shaming system where, you know, how dare you talk about that? And they wave their finger at people and that tends to shrink the window. But you're right. There has to be some things that are unnegotiable. A friend of mine once said, you know, there's no one on the far side. You got you got these leftists battling it out right now in the Democrat primary and and they're talking about. daycare for all, Medicare for all, and all these wonderful flowery sounding things that are quote unquote free. And those sound really good to a certain chunk of the electorate. Who's on the other side talking about uh, the opposite end to try to pull that window back the other way? Well, and Trump's been trying. He's been trying. You know, uh, for him to stand up and say, we are not going to be a socialist country. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen... um, uh, politicians and bureaucrats that supposedly are, <clears throat> when we talk about Republican, yeah. 
in, in the truest sense of the word, that would be a, a party that believes in the individual. That would be a party that believes in less taxes. That would be a party that believes in less regulation. So when I got on city council and I saw people that had ours behind their names, that's what I thought they stood for. Right. But that's not, that's not what a lot of ours do stand for. Not, yeah. No. You know? And so we need to pull, and that's why I've changed my, my tagline from conservative to conservatarian. Yeah. That's uh, because, uh, yeah, that's a great descriptor. So, but let's talk just a little bit about this. Um, this is an article that was in The Federalist. And it says, uh, the title is, Children's Don't Need Daycare for All, They Need Their Mothers. And this article has many arguments against daycare for all, including studies that show that children's stress levels immediately drop when they're suffering just upon hearing their mother's voice. And long-term studies show a correlation between the amount of time a child spends in daycare and a poor relationship with his parents, cleanliness, aggression, risk-taking, depression, defiance, impulsivity. The earlier a child enters daycare and the longer he spends there each week, the worse these emotional and behavior problems seem to be. Additionally, 6 in 10 American adults think children are better off when one parent focuses full-time on raising them. Mothers themselves, besides the three-quarters with young children who prefer part-time or no employment, also cite work flexibility and part-time work opportunities as desires in roughly equal proportions as wanting cheaper um, childcare. Yet instead of exploring the preferences that are likely to yield to better outcomes for children, politicians are focusing on programs that we cannot afford that do not support what most women want nor is best for their kids. The conclusion of this article brings up the Overton window. We mostly hear so-called arguments that because somebody somewhere wants something, she should have the right to force other people to pay for it. Wild arguments like this are designed to shift the Overton window hard left so that it seems reasonable to only soft collectivize child care through proposals like Ivanka Trump's paid leave. Right, right. You know, so they're moving the, the, the window over towards daycare for all. More free less free. The mother who decides to stay at home and be, be a primary, you know, be a primary home, home caregiver versus the, the mother who goes back to work, it's fine. And no one's saying that the mother can't go back to work. Right. Um, but to say that, okay, because I made my choice to go back to work, therefore I want the mother to stay at home and her family to pay for my kids' health care. That, that, that or child forced care. to pay, mm-hmm. or child care, to, to force to pay for was the key thing there. That limits incrementally, but there's a lot of little incrementally things, that, there are things that incrementally limit freedom, but that's going to take a little bit more money out of the pocket of the family that has to subsidize the health care in some way, shape, or form. You can't just kind of um, wish away funding for, for child care. Uh, and that's going to limit that. That means a friend of mine always told me, he said, if, if you take, if, if money comes out of my pocket, that means I do, I either contribute less to causes, um, I pay less in taxes or I consume less and that's it. It's a finite number of options. So the more money that comes out to force to pay for the other person's health care or, or child care, the less freedom incrementally that family has. It's not a big thing in and of itself in terms of the dollars, but we take on this attitude. I see a lot of voters taking on this attitude. Oh, it's just another five cents here. It's just another dime here. And after, I mean, that stuff stacks up. You know, talk to Mr. McBride about how little incremental gains in an investment portfolio mm-hmm. can make a huge difference over time. And it can make a big difference over time for people uh, to give them more freedom or less freedom by allowing them allowing them to keep more money or taking or take money away. So it's, it's the nature of the idea of the force and the, which makes that, that stay-at-home mom and her family a little bit less free. And it's the idea of 
uh, limiting their options. That, that and Well, and you know, the other thing about daycare is daycare is expensive. Yeah. And one of the reasons is, is because of all the rules and regulations. You know, uh, when my kids were little, I had a neighbor down the street that I don't know if she was licensed or not, but I knew her. And, you know, she would have, you know, taken some kids. And so if I had to go do something, I dropped the kids off there. And uh, if you have to be licensed and if you have regulators coming in, I mean, these daycares, it increases the cost to them. And so it increases the cost. And so then you see government coming in saying, okay, we'll help alleviate that cost because we'll have daycare for all. Yes. And so they're trying to move that Overton window. Yeah, increase the cost. And then drive. And, and then the other idea is this idea of force. Um, I think it's Senator Holbert, I think, where I heard this from. He made a comment, um, four, four words, that I think are very important to remember is that all government is force. And so this idea that the government should force another family to pay to subsidize another family's decisions mm-hmm. is... is that has a. Uh, it's unfair. It's unfair, and it has a moral connotation to it. Unfair is the right word. Go ahead. Like it's same thing with the arts. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I play the drums. I'm in a rock cover band. I do all this fun I didn't stuff. Know I, that. Yeah, I love music. Um, May 18th, we're playing a concert benefit. I might as well toss that out. The okay. cancer benefit in Nevada. But the point is that uh, I love it. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, against the arts, that's a crazy thing to say that someone is against there, especially someone like me. But. I don't think I should be forced to pay for a performing arts center, be it sponsored by the state or sponsored by my local community, because chances are I'm not going to use it. I'm not against a performing arts center, but is it is it right for the government to tell me that I need to pay for that because five people who sit on a three out of five people who sit on a town council decided to do that? I don't think it is. If you want to go to the to go see the things at at the Performing Arts Center, do it. My wife and I made a contribution to our, our daughter's choir. And and fat we don't want any of the advertising. We just want it's a wonderful thing and they create beautiful art. But I don't want the person that's next to me who's an empty nester to be forced to do that, to subsidize something that my daughter does. I don't think that that's right. I think that there's, to your point about right and wrong, that is wrong. It's just wrong to feel like you want something, therefore other people should pay for it, and you should use the force of law to get other people to pay for it. And hopefully I'm moving the Overton window back over to more free. (laughs) More free, that's for sure. Let's go to break, Roger. This is such an um, important conversation, and this is going really quickly. There's so much I want to say about that, but you also had a couple of stories. So we'll talk about what we're going to talk about when we come back from uh, break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Stay tuned. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Come join the 88 Drive-In this weekend for opening day of Avengers Endgame. Starting April 26th, features will include Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Shazam. Box office opens at 6 p.m. Friday. Get here early and be among the first to see this highly anticipated movie. We're now open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net.
Welcome back to Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails and be sure and check out StandForColorado.com. That is this uh, incredible rally that we're going to have on May 10th, 4 to 5.30. Be there or be square. Roger Bianco, thought leader, is in studio with me. We're talking about the Overton window. I know you have a a story that you want to tell, but very quickly, you mentioned the Performing Arts Center. And I was on city council for Lone Tree. And I, I... and it was always touted as, oh, isn't this great? The developer that's developing Ridgegate, um, I think, donated, I can't remember exactly what, but but I'm kind of like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, we're making decisions regarding, you know, land use and getting donations from the, but it's for the city. I mean, I don't know. I didn't like it that much. Yeah. But I felt compelled that I needed to, you know, buy tickets and go to the, go to the art center. And I realized, you know, Basically, what we're doing is subsidizing the art choices for a lot of people, many of them on the council, that wanted to go to the, the center. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute. You know, if you want to go to that and, and what the real cost is, because it was subsidized significantly, if it had the, you know, the real cost of what your ticket is, you might not even go. And but yet then I you know we'll, I'll get flyers in the the mail about what the upcoming programs are and it's expensive to make those glossy flyers I mean if you're a, 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 a sole proprietor or if you're in private enterprise I mean that's expensive to do that and then I realized and Susan Kochevar is one of my sponsors and then you've got uh, these art centers that are competing with somebody like her who's an entrepreneur who is competing for those dollars for people to come to the movies. It's yeah, like it's a movie theater. Yeah. It's not fair. No, yeah, and you can't compete. I can't compete. You know, one individual person can't compete against the government's power to to tax and... Uh, and spend. And spend. <laughs> I was out in Grand Junction. Uh, this was probably two, three years ago. And I noticed that they have... I love Seinfeld. Jerry said that, that TV show, which mm-hmm. is now being called Politically Incorrect. It's kind of funny to watch the left kind of eat themselves on that. But... Um, they, they had posters up there. They were going to – there was a, a referendum to support a expansion or a building of a new kind of cultural center. I, I'm not sure what it was because I already have a very nice convention center. But there was a, a poster that said, hey, Jerry Seinfeld will come to Mesa County, Colorado and perform for us if you vote for this bill and, oh, or if you vote for this referendum. I thought, are you kidding me? So the role of government – I love Seinfeld. But, I, again, the role of government is not to have – it, 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 me to to vote to force other people so that I can, I mean I've seen him and I'll pay for him if I want to see him and he's great he, I laughed so hard I cried three times the last yeah. time I saw him when he came to Denver but it, 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 the other people should not have to pay for that it should not be forced and that's a word that I think our side must use a lot more the word force use and it that, correctly but and that is resonating you know uh, you know what I'm seeing with uh, these moms that are concerned about this vaccination bill yeah. is force and um, uh, 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 you know what? I, there's things I want to say about that, but you have a story. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Well, just real quick. My wife and I on business went over to Vietnam and Cambodia, and we spent three days in Vietnam. And I think this illustrates what's what's at stake. Um, once you go through leadership program of the Rockies, you start to see things a bit differently. And I think this illustrates what's at stake with the Overton window and why we must move this window more toward free. Because in education circles, the window seems to have been moved toward, towards less free, and it has shrunk, mm-hmm. even though a lot of people in those circles feel that's, that's not the case. Uh, but here's why I, I see this. Um, in the, uh, the Howlow prison, 
we did a, a range tour with the, at the Hollow Prison, which we in America know this is the Hanoi Hilton. This is where Senator McCain was kept, a number of our airmen who were shot down over Hanoi. Um, to, make a, to make a long story short, because I know we're limited on time, uh, it's a very impersonal, gray, high walls, barbed wire kind of place, the, what you would expect at a concentration camp. It was actually built by the French to imprison the Vietnamese. And about 90% of that place is, is about that. The French... They usher Americans, probably thousands of hundreds, if not thousands of Americans through that place. And they tell them the story about how the French mistreated the Vietnamese. And they go to great lengths to vividly bring that to life. Um, about 10 percent of the tour is the U.S. airmen. And it's laden with propaganda. What, what, what people like you and I, Kim and Steve, we would recognize as propaganda. You walk into one of the very small places where they kept our, our airmen and um, you see – uh, on the on the wall is a uh, film showing showing the economic miracles of Ho Chi Minh in northern Vietnam, the economic agriculture miracles. And I just remember looking at it going, gosh, that's straight out of the 1960s. Yeah. There's no progress here. They're still driving this propaganda. Then there's this hallway. Imagine a hallway, very gray, lit by natural light, but it's about 25 or so feet long. On the right side are these probably two and a half foot by three and a half foot rectangular storyboards, probably about a ten of them that tell the story of the U.S. Airmen in in uh, the Hanoi Hilton. But it's all you know pictures of them eating, uh, smiling, and eating Thanksgiving dinner and playing volleyball. And here's Senator really? McCain getting medical treatment. And see how nice we were to these people is kind of the idea. And I was walking through this hallway. Young gentleman couldn't have been thirty three, thirty four years old. Probably maybe even under thirty. Um, been through the education system in North Carolina, a quote-unquote Republican state mostly, uh, looking at this, one of the stories, and he said in his southern accent, he said, well, I guess our boys have been treated fairly here. That's my terrible oh, southern my accent. Gosh. They were treated pretty good, and I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Later on in the day, I said, you understand that was just propaganda. And the look that, that he gave back to me was of one of, I would call it, nothing short of profound confusion, because he didn't he just kind of – it seemed like the word propaganda didn't register. And the idea that, that we would not have gotten accurate information at that tour it was, was just foreign to him. The, the lack of – again, there's the lack of critical thinking, mm-hmm. kind of going – tilt your head to the side and go, really, was it just – I mean, I saw Senator McCain and his arm. It's, the evidence was there. This gentleman was profoundly mistreated. Um, it wasn't all roses and Thanksgiving dinner and volleyball, you know, and, but that's what they wanted us to believe. So we've got to move the window towards more free and we've got to expand the window of the ideas that things are that, that, that uh, which ideas can be discussed because it's shrinking, it seems, and it's moving toward less free. And now we're missing things like the, to be able to recognize lies of a socialist slash communist government the, uh, messaging. We've got to be able to recognize that messaging and think critically about it. So it's, it's an important issue. And Roger, it's work. It is really work to have these conversations because you have to be really informed and it's, it's work. And that's why, that's why I'm doing the show is, is to, to hopefully help give people tools to be able to converse with their friends and their family and their colleagues and say, wait a minute, did you know that that's probably propaganda? Yeah. You know, and, and like you say, to go, wait a minute. You know, that's not true. And one of the other things that they have used to move the Overton window over to the left is they say, study show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's like, who's study? Yeah. So it is important that we move the Overton window back to, to more free. And we have an opportunity here in Colorado because the veil is now off. Uh, I think many young people, many, you know, hardworking folks thought that the Democrat Party cared about them. And the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party, 
don't really care about them. It's all about power. And this is not the Democrat Party of your grandpa and grandma. Uh, JFK would probably be a a Republican these days. Maybe somewhat of a moderate, but yeah, a Republican, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Roger Bianco, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful. Oh, it it went rather quickly, didn't it? It did. It it does. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and jump to our quote. This is... uh, Johann Wolfgang van Gogh, German writer and statesman who lived from 1749 to 1832. He said, all truly wise thoughts have been thought already thousands of times. But to make them truly ours, we must think them over again honestly till they take root in our personal experience. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.